thank you, girls. Um, good morning, everybody. I'm sure we can give the girls a bigger hand than that. Well done, everybody. Wow. Real people. Oh, I best it. I'm allowed to take that off. Right, okay. Here we go. No. Sorry for all those people who like rules out there. Okay. Um, good morning, everybody. This is the first time I have been in, inside for a church meeting with other people uh, since February last year. So uh, this feels so good and strange, if I'm being honest. So it's great, isn't it? Come on. So good morning. This is, this is an exciting morning. Um, and not just because we're together, but because of what we come to celebrate this morning. Um, for all those watching on the live stream this morning, hello. I'm sorry that you can't be here physically because it's amazing. Um, but, you know, I'm so glad that you're with us, even if it's digitally. Um, but this morning, we're going to celebrate and focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Um, hopefully you caught our video we put out Friday where we reflected on Good Friday, but this morning we're not focusing on Jesus' death um, as so much his resurrection. So we're going to read, read in Matthew uh, 28, 1 to 10. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. While you pick up your Bibles, while you look for the, that scripture, um, I'm going to just pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we thank you uh, just how exciting it is to be together, to hear drums being played, to, to, to worship you together. Lord, it's so good to come together and worship you. And Lord, we pray that we continue to do that by having open hearts, open ears, Lord, uh, as we as we come into reading your word, as we come into reflecting on the resurrection. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so Matthew 28, verse 1 to 10. It says, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings. <laughs> He said, they came to him, they clasped his feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. What an amazing, amazing story. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. You know, what happened that day, that original Resurrection Sunday, would have ramifications throughout the world. The resurrection is the centerpiece of what we believe as Christians. And why is this? Well, because it proves that Jesus was who we said he was, who he claimed to be. When Jesus rose from the dead, 
He conquered death itself, not just for him, but for all of those who choose to believe in him and to choose to follow him. Now, I don't know everybody in this room, some new faces, um, some old faces too. Do you understand your faces aren't old? I just mean I know you from the past. I don't know everybody in here. I'm looking forward to getting to know you. I don't know even know everybody who's streaming uh, online and watching us online. Um, I don't know where you're at with your relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you believe that he really did rise from the dead. I don't know if you think it's a hoax or, you know, you think it's a conspiracy or something like that. Um, But what I do know, what I do know is that the disciples at the time were so convinced, they were so convinced of what happened that, they, that things changed drastically, not just in their lives, but in culture. Um, they were so absolutely sure that they had met the risen Jesus that they, that they were willing to be brutally killed. They'd watched Jesus being killed on a cross by professional executioners. They'd watched him be dead and buried, put in a tomb. And they watched as a, roll, as a stone got rolled in front And they saw that there was armed guards out the front. But now they were absolutely sure and adamant that he was alive. They were convinced that Jesus was this long-awaited Messiah that was promised. I found this fantastic quote by a a guy called Hank Heingraff. And he says, what happened as a result of the resurrection is unprecedented in all human history. In the span of a few hundred years, a small band of seemingly insignificant believers succeeded in turning an empire upside down. As has been well said, they faced the tyrant's brandished steel, the lion's gory mane, and the fires of a thousand deaths because they were utterly, utterly convinced that they, like their master, would one day rise from the grave in glorified, resurrected bodies. You see, the disciples were so convinced on that day that Jesus of Nazareth had been killed, but yet he had risen from the dead. Not only that, but they had walked with him, this risen Jesus. They had talked with him. They'd eaten with him. Then they could not keep it quiet. Not even the threat of death towards them would stop them from telling people, it's true, Jesus really did come back from the dead. He did rise again. Stop sharing that news. They couldn't stop sharing that news. And I'm going to switch. I'm having people are waving at me from the back. But nothing could stop these disciples from sharing this good news. Nothing. Not even the threat of death, which many of them would go on to suffer. The reality of the resurrection had unbelievable, unprecedented effect on the world. And we've seen millions upon millions of people come to know Jesus as their risen Messiah as a result. Now, you can imagine with this being the centerpiece of what we believe, with this being what we base the Christian foundation on, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, that he conquered everything. You can imagine that it's met some opposition along the way. And people have realized if I can disprove the resurrection, then actually I can disprove Christianity Altogether, And many people, very clever people, have tried to do this over the years. 
In the 18th century, there was a man called Gilbert West. And he didn't like that a lot of his friends were becoming Christians and becoming Jesus followers. So he set out to disprove the resurrection. Because if I can disprove the resurrection, I can disprove Christianity itself and everything that it's built on. So he started to study and he started to research Jesus and his life and the, and the evidence for the resurrection. And halfway through writing his book, Gilbert has, a, has an encounter with Jesus and he ends up writing his book completely the other way around to what he'd originally planned. He becomes a Jesus follower and he calls his book The Observations on the History and Evidence of the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, book titles weren't so snappy back then, <laughs> but he writes his book the other way around. In the 19th century, a man called General Lou Wallace, he also set out to disprove the resurrection and Christianity itself. What he didn't know was his wife, who was a Christian, was uh, quietly praying for him as he set out on his challenge. You know, you sneaky prayers out there, I know who you are. The ones who just sneakily pray for people, the ones who don't want it, you know, but you still pray for them. And his wife's one of these sneaky prayers, she's praying for him. And halfway through writing his book, he gets into the fourth chapter, he has an encounter with Jesus, he becomes a full-on sold-out Jesus follower, and he wrote a different book as well. He called it Ben-Hur. Has anybody ever heard of this? It became the most influential Christian book of the 19th century. The last one, in the 20th century, a lawyer and a research journalist called Frank Morrison. He also wanted to shatter Christianity by disproving the resurrection. He was a researcher and a lawyer, he thought, if anyone can do it with the resources, with, with, with all of the access to different things that I have, surely I can disprove the resurrection is false. And he had an encounter with Jesus, believe it or not. He became a Jesus follower, and he wrote a book called Who Moved the Stone? We are assured without any doubt that Jesus rose from the dead, that he was who he said he was. So with that being said... What I want to do is finish by giving you three things that I would just love for you to grasp hold of this morning and take home. And like I said, I don't know where you're at with Jesus this morning, but I assure you, he rose from the dead. He is alive and he wants to know you and have relationship with you. But this is three things to take away that the the resurrection proves to each and every one of us, whether you're a Jesus follower or not. The first thing is, is that the resurrection means that Jesus is all powerful. We believe that this universe we live in, the world in which we occupy, the people in it, every single person in this room, that you are not a coincidence or an accident. We believe there is a creator God and the Bible tells us that that, that our God is in control and he is all powerful. When Jesus was raised from the dead, When he overcame the death itself, it was a display of God's immense power. And we believe not only that God exists and he created the universe, but he has power over it. He decides. He has power to raise the dead. Only he has power to do that. And in resurrecting Jesus from the grave, God reminds me and you of his absolute sovereignty over everything. And perhaps you need to know that this morning. In your own life, you need to know that, first of all, you were not a mistake. 
You were not an accident. You were not just chance because a fish grew legs. You were actually created and knit together in your mother's womb with a purpose. You are God's masterpiece, his creation, made in his image. Not only that, your life is not just subject to good luck or bad luck or chance. It's not about whether you smash a mirror or whether you put an umbrella up inside. I don't get that one. But you're not subject to good luck or bad luck. God is the one who is in control. He has all power and all authority and he is for you. Are you in a situation right now where you need to speak over that situation or that thing, God's power, his name? He has all authority. And we know that the risen Jesus, death itself couldn't contain him. So whatever you're facing, whatever situation you're up against, next to the name of Jesus, it has no power. The second thing that the resurrection means for us is that Jesus was who he said he was. You know, anybody, whether you are cynical about Jesus, whether you like Jesus, whether you love Jesus, anybody could read the gospel accounts and read about his life and his ministry, and everybody could kind of come to the conclusion that Jesus was a nice guy. Like, you know, he taught people to love their enemies. He fed people, you know, he, he, he was nice to people, you know, and he encouraged them. But Jesus didn't claim just to be a nice guy with good ideas. He claimed that he was the son of God. He claimed that he was the Messiah, that he was God incarnate, that although Jesus knew that these claims would eventually have him killed, and they did, he was still claiming that's who he was. He was the Messiah, the king, who had been promised to the Israelites for thousands of years by God. And now he's claiming that he's come to rescue them from their oppressed lives. The problem with Jesus was he wasn't the king they were expecting. He didn't kill the bad men. He loved them. (laughs) He sat with them. He ate with them. He forgave their sins. He led them by serving, not by being served. And he calls every single one of his followers to do the same. But you see, when Jesus walked out of that tomb, when that stone was moved back, it proved that he was the true king. That he wasn't just a nice guy with nice ideas, but actually he was God himself in the flesh. He was who he said he was. And lastly, the resurrection proves that you can have new life. When Jesus rose from the dead, it proved that he was offering you a new life. Romans 6 verse 4 says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus promises that he comes to bring life and life to the full. Where once you were alienated from God, Jesus has made a way for us to be in relationship with our Father in heaven. In Jesus, you have new life. When we put our trust in that fact of who Jesus is, we receive this resurrection life. We call it being born again, right? We call it being born again. 
the times that you've fallen short, the times where you've sinned against God and against other people, the times where you've done things that you're perhaps ashamed of, you wouldn't even want to share it with your closest friends. When we come to Jesus, we are accepted, we're given new life, and we are completely, 100% forgiven. You're invited into this new life following him. You know, as followers of Jesus, the Bible tells us that in this new life, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, the same spirit that brought Jesus to conquer death, that same spirit now lives within us as his followers. You have that same power within you. You are his temple. That's the new life he's offering you. What incredible promises. What an amazing reality that we live in with this risen Messiah. He conquered the grave. He has shown us he is who he says he is. And he's inviting every single one of you, every single person in this room, every single person watching on the live stream to come into this new life with him. Maybe for the first time, you're kind of considering that this is real, that Jesus is alive and that he is offering you this new life, that he is God. If that's you, I don't know everybody in this room, if that's you, then I want to hear from you. Reach out to us. If you're watching on the stream, get in touch, website, Facebook, whatever. But we want to hear from you. We want to pray with you. But for the rest of us, the ones who have been following Jesus for a little while, you know, the disciples were so convinced of who Jesus was, that they had walked with the risen Messiah, that they had talked with him, that they had eaten with him, that they would change the rest of their lives in order to follow him, in order to tell people the good news. And I want to encourage you and challenge you with that this morning. Following Jesus changes everything in our lives. It changes everything. It affects everything. For the disciples, it would even affect them to the end and how they would die. For us, it's choosing this morning to step into that life with Jesus. To understand that it's going to cost us, but it's going to be worth it. So I want to encourage you, just as we finish and as we pray, to reflect on how that looked for the disciples, how everything changed in their lives, and then to ask God to come and speak to you about what part of your life you still need to hand over to him this morning, the risen Messiah, the risen King. Let's finish by praying.